Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It's Paul Hamilton. That's what they called me in college. It's the bone. He has the facts to back up his opinions. People ask me, well, how are the Sabres going to win tonight? I don't have a clue. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Game day. Buffalo Sabres right back to it. 12.30 start. Sal Capaccio. He'll be uh, broadcasting live from the arena for the Extra Point Show. Jeremy and Joe with you. Paul Hamilton. Hey, Paul, good morning. Hello. How are you? Good. Happy President's Day. It's beautiful out there. It's a nice day. Thank you. It is gorgeous outside. Sabres back to it for a, uh afternoon affair. Maybe a nice day for people to, you know, roll on down to the arena. And they come in off a win over Minnesota. They beat the Wild on Saturday evening, 5 o'clock, right? Saturday night, evening, whatever you want to say. Um, and it was a comeback effort. We were debating that. Is it Was it... <laughs> Like, it started at 4 o'clock where we were. So is that an afternoon game? Is that an evening game? What is, what is that? It's a good question. We, we, were, we were debating that. It's kind of like when the Bills play at 425. Is that a primetime game? It feels like primetime. It's dark outside a lot in those those windows. Anyway, they won. Did you notice that going down to the arena now, it's starting to be light for the 7 o'clock games? Well, that's nice. I said, that's nice. There's no more no more driving in the dark to games anymore. Paul, I remember a time where going to a game at the arena, it would be, you know, 65 degrees outside. <laughs> now, it's been a long time since one of those. I remember a Stanley Cup final where on the road it was 97 degrees. <laughs> wow. Yeah. In Dallas. The guys, you know, the people, because we had all the TV people there doing their news and sports and everything and their makeup was like dripping down their faces as they were trying to get ready to do their tv hits yeah i miss going to a game that matters paul where i'm wearing shorts that, that hasn't happened in a in a very long time at least you why know, can't you just put shorts yeah. on and go down there today i mean i could i guess i could you know what maybe i should you know you, you've said it maybe i will i'm gonna go put shorts on i'm gonna go down to this game at least the sun will be out right when i when i do it but. yeah exactly Paul, it's the Ducks tonight. The Ducks are one of the few teams in the NHL that are behind the Sabres. We'll get to that in a moment. But the game against Minnesota, it's a come-from-behind victory, looking in with another strong performance. And how, how different was this one for the Sabres? We, we've talked the last few games. They're putting up big shot numbers, but they're not getting good enough shots. Was it different in Minnesota? Yeah, it was a little goofy. And You talk about the Ducks. The Sabres have won five of their last six on the road. The loss was to the Ducks. Uh, but they've won the other five, and uh, now they've lost three or four at home. But it was, and I've been thinking about that, that, you know, I've sat there 
and talked about, well, you dominated the Dallas Stars and you lost. Well, you dominated the Vancouver Canucks, but you lost. They didn't dominate the Minnesota Wild. As a matter of fact, Don Granato afterwards said, we weren't in sync. Uh, he said, uh, we, we seemed like we had heavy legs, but it was one of those games where they just found a way to win. E- even though the, the Minnesota was probably the better team in that game. But uh, I think one of the things was, was Lukanen. I mean, both goaltenders actually stood on their heads in the first 40 minutes of the game, and it's 0-0, and then Buffalo finally got on the board and picked up that first goal. It was a two-on-one with Middlestad coming down. Kind of funny after the game because it looked like that Minnesota's goalie thought thought he was going to pass the puck to Cousins on the two-on-one. And I asked him on the postgame show, I said, were you using Cousins as a decoy there? Because it looked like the goalie thought you were going to pass the puck to him. He goes, I thought I was too. <laughs> and he starts <laughs> laughing. And, and at the last second, I, and, and, but, but the, really, seriously, I think he did maybe tip off that he was going to pass to Cousins, and the goaltender started going and started moving just a little bit, and it opened up a little, little hole for him, and he shot it. So, you know, I think, I think he did fool the goalie by thinking himself that he was going to pass to Cousins going in. But you take that one nothing lead, but then, you know, you, you, you get behind 2-1. to one. They did a good job of on the four-minute uh, penalty. They killed all but 16 seconds, but that gave Minnesota the 2-1 to one lead when they, when they did finally get the power play goal. And it's not looking really good for the Sabres, but, you know, what they did do to be able to tie the game is they had two guys willing to go to the net, stand in the crease, and just – not be denied and that was Greenway and Cousins yeah you know Thompson recognized that those guys were there and he didn't even like wind up with the shot he just took a wrist shot to the net got the puck there because he saw guys there and Greenway just kept hacking at the puck and hacking at the puck and Cousins was doing the same Greenway got it through Cousins made sure it was in the net and they wind up tying the game with what was around 36 38 seconds left uh, Mm -hmm. to go in the game and I don't think many people had Henry Yokiharu in the <laughs> in the pool for winning it in overtime, but it wasn't. I, I said to myself after that goal, it's like that that is a nice goal. He number one got moved himself into scoring position. You know, it, it, he found the crease, and Tuck puts it right in his wheelhouse, and he just rips it. I mean, a one timer, and he let it go. And I thought to myself. We don't see much of that from Henry Okiharu, you mm-hmm. know, where, you know, that was almost like a goal scorer's goal. And, uh, you know, they wind up wind up winning the game in, in overtime. It, but it's just as goofy that, you know, they sit there and dominate games and lose one to nothing or two to one. And then in a game where, eh, you know, they really had to work to win the hockey game, they come out on top three to two. Yeah. And for Yokiharu, Paul, like it's, he's not, you know, someone that puts up massive point numbers by any means, but... You kind of look at their blue line, and when an Owen Power is out, like they're not really deep with offensive type of defensemen, if you will. Like he often is the guy that is like the the if you want to say the immediate backup quarterback on the yes. on the power play, and in this case, same thing, right? Like that's maybe a spot where Power would have been out there if he was healthy, but if someone's hurt, it's Yoki Haru in those situations. I haven't hated him on the power play, you know, since he's stepped in for Power. And he had a goal and an assist in this game that we're talking about. So uh, it, it's it's for him. It's all a matter of confidence, 
you know, and he's had more confidence this year than he has in past years. I mean, he hasn't been great in every game, but for the most part, I think he's been a pretty, especially in the start of the year, he's been a good defenseman. Um, what I would like, I think what they need is they don't have really anybody to throw into the top four when somebody like Power, Darlene, or, or Samuelson get hurt. And that's why I always say they need a guy like a number two defenseman to be out there with Darlene. And that puts Yoki Haru in your third pair. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think he he would be a more consistent defenseman if he could play in the third pair. And then when you have an injury, he has no problem moving up to your second pair, you know, and, and moving up into the top four. And that's what I think would make them a better team if they could set up their team like that. It was kind of an interesting weekend, Paul. We talked about Peyton Krebs because there was a trade rumor involving Philadelphia, um, oh, I think maybe on Thursday or Friday. And then on the weekend, he got promoted up in the lineup on more of an offensive line. Did you notice anything from him in, on a different line against Minnesota? No, because Don Granado was right. The team was out of sync, and, and so was that line. You know, they, they, now they had Middlestaff playing with Cousins and Greenway. They got two of the three goals. I would say of the three of the four lines, that probably was the best line, uh, the one that wasn't, wasn't I think, you know, I, I saw them in the offensive zone probably more than I saw others. So, yeah, I, I don't, it wasn't awful. It wasn't great. I, I'd like to see it again. I hope when we go, because they didn't practice yesterday, so I hope when we go today it's not different and not mixed up. I, I, I would like that to stay together for a bit and let it let it percolate a little bit and see how it goes. Where do you think he's at? And what do you make of the idea, even if you know there are rumors or rumors, the idea of him being a piece that you would sell, um, maybe for something bigger or I, I don't know what the deal would be, but... He was the best prospect in the Vegas organization, and he's played a role that none of us, at least I didn't expect him to play, and he's done it fine. Um, where do you feel like they're at with Krebs in general at this in, in the timeline here? As far as I'm concerned, there is, and I'm talking about prospects, I'm talking about guys on the team, to me there is one untouchable, and that's Rasmus Dahlin. He, I am not trading Rasmus Dahlin. Other than that, Let's talk. You know, if a GM were, were to call me on, if I was the Sabres GM, would call me on any other player, I'm having the conversation. And that includes Krebs or anybody else. Uh, I, I, I would have said there were more untouchables last year, but uh, after what I've seen this year, there are no untouchables. Uh, and that includes if I can get that number two defenseman and it costs me. Thompson, Cousins, whatever, one or the other. All right, tell me who the defenseman is. Uh, I'm not trading those guys for. I'm, I'm just using those as 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 examples. I'm not saying they're the they're the reason the Sabers aren't good this year or or whatever. But if that lands me a guy that can play next to Darlene as the number two defenseman, well, you're kind of covered that way because then if you want to, you can sign Middlestat and put him in your top six if one of those guys were to be gone. And you've got backups in, in centers and in Kulik and Savoy and Ostland who aren't even here yet. So people talk about trading Middlestat, and that's fine if the deal is a good deal and it's not for draft picks. 
I'm okay with that, but I, I also want to say it doesn't have to be him. I mean, depending on the player, tell me who the player is. I'm not looking to trade, and I'm not looking to trade Cousins, or I'm not looking to trade. Tom. It has to be a really, really good player uh, that that I really would seek. But all I'm trying to say is, it doesn't necessarily have to be Middlestat. It could be other guys, and that's why I would, if I were Kevin Adams, I'm listening to any phone call. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. As long as it doesn't include Darlene. On Darlene, Paul, you know, you said this with us last week too that he's he's the one untouchable. Is he playing like an untouchable right now, or did they have to find a way to get him back? I I feel like it's it's a quiet season for Darlene. He's always going to get his points, but right about now, like last year, there was legitimate Norris buzz whether he deserved some consideration considering how well he played at both ends. Um, and this year, I just don't really hear much. I agree. Um, I still wouldn't trade him, though, because I think for the Sabres to be a really good team, Darlene has to be on the team and elite. And, uh, you know, an elite defenseman. I mean, Tampa Bay had an elite defenseman in Hedman. Uh, you know, and I would think, you know, Darlene would have to do that, too. So, no, I don't think he's playing like that. I really, really liked him in the Dallas game when he played 29 minutes and 16 seconds. And, uh, he has been playing a lot of minutes since Samuelson and Power have gone down. You look at it in the five games, in his last five games, he's played 29-16, 28-59. He had a 22-40 against the Kings, but that was a 7 nothing game. You didn't have to play him to death. 29-29 against Florida and 30-47 against Minnesota. So right now he is playing half the game. And I wouldn't say he's awful. I wouldn't even say he's average. He's probably in a lot of games from average to above average. But you need Rasmus Dahlin to be elite, not above average in what you're seeing from him. And I don't think he's had a season where he's done that. Um, but, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he was awful do you, or anything like that. Do you notice him being frustrated, Paul, on the yeah. ice more than others? Yeah. Like, I'm almost wondering if that some of that is just because he's out there more often, but... I see more moments of him smashing a stick or whatever than I than I feel like I do other players. Yeah, and at times I say to myself they got to get to him and calm him down a little bit, and other times I say to myself, "Good, you know, I, I like to see some anger out there from some of these guys, like Dylan Cousins, who who will use his stick as a javelin to toss it down the hallway at times." Uh, when things aren't going well out there. I mean, I love to see that passion of this is unacceptable and I'm really mad this is happening. 
and I'm going to get madder because this shouldn't be happening. And I expect more out of myself, and I expect more out of my teammates, and I don't mind that at all. So I think there's a probably a fine line there. If, if Rasmus Dahlin gets too frustrated, I think it affects his play. But I, I don't mind seeing the passion that I see from those two. Paul Hamilton joining us. Paul, we, we opened up the show talking about this. You know, you're talking about people getting mad. There was a bit of a hubbub, a buzz on Twitter about the Sabres players not taking too kindly to booing and maybe not saluting the fans. Mike Harrington's column in the Buffalo News about this, and I just saw a lot of people reacting to that. And we had earlier in the season Kyle Oposo responding to fans booing in the arena and fire Donnie Chance. And I, I wonder your your take on all that, on the on the players' general relationship with the fan base, with, with their own expectations, because – you know, this has been a season that's been a challenge for everybody as they've not met those expectations. Yeah, um, I wasn't aware, as nor was Mike, because as soon as the game ends, we're headed to the elevator to go down to the locker room. I was not aware they weren't saluting the fans after wins. That was the first I had heard of it, and this first Mike had heard of it until a couple of fans had pointed that out to him. Uh, he did say he stayed for the Los Angeles win, and a couple of the guys, they weren't going to do it, then a couple, some of the guys came back out and from the locker room and like saluted the fans. They didn't go out to center ice, but saluted the fans there. And it reading the column, it looks like what the players were saying is it was mostly in defense of Don Granado. They were beside themselves after the Columbus and they said it after the game. I know Rasmus Dahlin was extremely mad after that game. It's like, why are they yelling for him? It's not, he's not playing. We're playing. Blame us. Don't be blaming him. It's not his fault. He didn't go out on the ice and let in nine goals. And they they were really, really upset about that. And I guess they and, – and it is I, – I, I want to put this in a way where it is very, very toxic in that arena. I have never seen my Twitter feed as toxic as it is now. But I do understand that fans have gone through 13 years of this. And for two straight years, they have watched one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League at home. So I get it. But I I remember sitting there after Thompson scored a power play goal a few games ago. It was the first power play of the game. It was a really nice goal. And by the first minute of the second power play, the fans were all over them again. And I thought, they're one for one on the power play. This, This has gone maybe 30 seconds. And they have jumped this team already. And apparently it was mentioned that they were behind 2-1 to one to Seattle and the fans were jumping them at the end of the first period, and that didn't go over well. And quite honestly, I understand that it, you're, you're mad that they want your coach fired. I think the players are making a huge mistake. You don't pick a fight with the fans. You just don't. You just got you to take it and understand where they're coming from, that maybe a lot of these boos aren't necessarily all aimed at you. And you weren't here for 13 straight years that that it's going to be. But, I mean, Kevin Adams has talked since he's been here. And I don't think it's been talk. I believe him because he's from this area of trying to win the fans back and knowing that it's up to them to win their respect and win them back. And 
I can't believe that Kevin Adams was behind this. And this might have been the first he heard of it because he's on the elevator with us. So he's not looking at the, the celebration or that kind of thing. I can't I can't believe he would be behind this. And if it is the first he's heard of it, I imagine it's going to be addressed. Yeah, you know, Paul, like, I'm not trying to Boo- – booing isn't exactly supposed to be nuanced, right? Like, that's the thing. It's just I'm yelling a sound that, that lets you know that I'm not happy about you're down 3 nothing after 1 or whatever it might be. Uh-huh. And part of me thinks, like, I'm not trying to be a jerk or be snarky, but, you know, if a fan is booing you, at least they're at the game. Yes, and like you still have people showing up and caring, and I, I'm with you to pick a fight with your fans like that is just it's such a miss. And like you said, like if Kevin Adams addresses that, like that's got to be somewhere in the organization. The message has to come down. Like you are not fighting the fans, especially the ones that are here. Like yeah. they are untouchables. They are the Dalines. You know, like if you're still there, you are untouchable, and you are. Uh, I know, like, you can't hurl personal insults at a player, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about expressing frustration, which must be something that the Sabres have to slot in accordingly. Winning solves everything, and I don't know if you guys agree with this, but they're going to have a tough time coming back from this. The fans are not going to forget this for a while. And just this particular thing that really you're you're not going to acknowledge the fans because you're mad at them and you've decided that this is your move. Um, after after everything that, as I said, for two straight years, one thing you can blame this team for is for two straight years, they have been 27th or worse at home. That you can blame them for. They're they're 100% authored that. So I I I understand frustration. I really do. But you you just especially when your general manager has talked about winning the respect of the fans back, and they were doing that last year. Unfortunately, I think what's happened this year has ruined a lot of that. Winning does solve everything, and if they were to start winning and winning at home, it would solve the thing. But what is happening right now, they're they're going to have a take a long ways to get back from this, and I know Kevin Adams would know that. And as I said, I can't believe now that this has come out that he's he is on board with this. Well, and just to round out this, Paul, for me, like. In, I wonder, like, what would be said or is happening in the locker room after the fact about that? Because for years I've been hearing that the two leaders of that locker room are Kyle Ocposo and Zemgus Girgensons, and those guys. I mean, Ocposo's been here for eight of the thirteen years. Girgensons has been here for ten of them. It's not like, you know, if if a player just showed up and they were getting on Zach Benson's case, I could understand it, but. You know, there's a bunch of guys on this team that have been here a while. They, You would think they would know of anyone how long it's been and what it's really been like in that arena. Yeah, Alex Tuck has, has been a Sabre fan all his life and was so happy when, when he was traded here. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little surprised. that Now, Darlene is a big leader inside that locker room, too, and he was beside himself when they went after Granado. Um, but I'm a little surprised that Oposo and Tuck would sign off on this, you know, as, as, as the players were talking about this in the locker room, just because, I, you know, Kyle's been around a long time. I think Kyle would be the first one to tell you, you you're not going to win a fight with the fans. And Alex Tuck knows these fans. He's been with them. He was, as a kid, sitting with them, you know. So I'm a little surprised that they would sign off on this. Paul Hamilton, his appearance brought to you by uh, Raylax Honda. Raylax 
We got this. Paul, uh, for tonight, Anaheim, let's get eye on the blue and gold. Do that for you before we let you go. Uh, I am blue and I am the blue and gold. Brought to you by Great Lakes Building Systems. We keep an eye on your business. So you don't have to. Great Lakes Building Systems. Our business is protecting your business. What are you looking at tonight, Paul? Anaheim, Zegras. Uh, who else? Who <laughs> well, else? Who else? They well, have? they usually lose. Yep. But you know, when they beat the Sabers, that started four games where they went three zero and one, and that's basically been their their <laughs> their season as far as they did have a six-game winning streak early in October. But other than that, it really hasn't been good. They've lost three of their last four. The only win was in Ottawa. This is game four of a four-game road trip where they lost to Montreal and Toronto. They won in Ottawa. This is the only one that's not going to be in Canada. The Sabres like to pull this 12-30, 1 o'clock game on West Coast teams. I think, And that started, <laughs> if you remember, I think, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that started with Tim Murray. That he he would ask for weekend games with West Coast teams so he could start them around one because it's ten o'clock their time. So I think that tradition has you know kept going and here they are with Anaheim. So this is a I can't do math. What is it? A ten thirty a.m. start in California. Yeah, nine thirty. Right? It's nine thirty actually. Nine thirty. Yeah. See. I shouldn't do math. Brian Cozio helps me during games. He is the math teacher, so I, I let him do math. So, yes, so it's a it's a 9.30 game for the Anaheim Ducks. All right. Thanks, Paul. Take care, guys. Paul Hamilton on the Wester Hotline as we gear up for Sabres and Ducks 12.30 today. Jeremy and Joe, we've got a wide receiver idea of the day to get to. We'll also follow up some of Paul's thoughts there on, like, yeah, this this mini passive-aggressive feud with the, with the players, if that's what happened. To do that but not tell everybody that's what you're doing? I mean, you hoped someone noticed or hoped someone didn't notice? I don't know. The whole thing is odd, very odd for a team that's, you know, where they are. Anyway, <laughs> wide receiver idea of the day. A more fun subject. Yes, much more fun. Maybe the, maybe the Sabres could use a wide receiver or two. Would it help? <laughs> Would it help? Put up six at a time. Yeah. All right. 803-0550, our phone number if you want to chime in. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.